I um I, I want to just talk to you this evening. That's why I'm I'm back using a stool. Um, I have some things I I do on a regular basis. I'm not going to reveal my secrets at this point, but I have some things that I do um, in in various settings that that uh, uh, remind me or help to remind me of of the focus of that particular service or setting. Um, and I, I do them regularly. Some of you may know some of them, or you may have picked up on some of them. Um, but but I have those things, and and uh, so for me, uh, there's some there's some physical things that I I do or I use that kind of help me focus, and also hopefully kind of give a little bit different perspective that maybe helps you realize that you know this is not Sunday morning, or this is not. Whatever. So, I I, uh, I, I want to just uh, share with you. I really wish um, I really wish that I was simply speaking, or that I knew I was only speaking to those of you that that I pastor this evening, because I, I just want to I want to talk from my heart. And um, I mean, bottom line is, even before COVID nineteen, we stream our services and. You don't know who's watching people from other churches, other faiths, whatever, and always try to be mindful of that in my ministry and uh, not avoid saying whatever the Lord wants me to say, but trying to be mindful that I'm talking to more than just what I see. And uh, I, so I really wish that that as much as possible, I was simply talking to the people that I have been given the responsibility and the privilege of pastoring this evening. I've been told many times now by many different people that that I have a pastor's heart, things that I do, things that I say, the way I do things. And uh, it, it's my hope, and ultimately the Lord will have to be my judge. It's my hope that this evening can simply be my pastor's heart um, but I, I just I have some things I, I just feel burdened to say. Um, I, I am not a person who likes conflict or controversy. I, um, I posted something a couple of weeks ago on Facebook and prefaced that it was a bit controversial, at least in my opinion. And I actually got a really, I thought I took it as a compliment. Someone... Uh, sort of applauded my efforts at being controversial. Um, and they said it from the context of the fact that they say they are very controversial. Uh, so I, I'm not, that, that's not my nature. That's not my personality. And I, I'm not, I, I really, by the help of the Lord, and um, I have, I have uh, all day especially, but even before today as I've, had some things I've been feeling, can't get away from. I've done my best to pray and ask the Lord to help me, help me to make sure I got a right attitude, a right spirit. Um, there's also something else, and and I'm just I'm just I'm just talking to you this evening, and uh, it's only seven twenty something. I can't see without my glasses the small numbers. 
Um, I don't think most of you have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to go. So I, I am going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my time. I don't mean that that means I'm going to go all night, but I'm, I, I have a tendency to kind of rush myself. Uh, hopefully that doesn't bleed through. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not going to, to the best of my ability, I'm not going to do that this evening. Uh, there, there's a statement and it's not a scriptural statement. And in all honesty, I think there's a, there's a there could be an application of it that is that is uh, dangerous and unbiblical, perhaps. Um, I think there is a context that it can be applied in that is that is acceptable, um, and it, it kind of goes back to some things I said on Sunday. And with the statement, it comes from Shakespeare, and it is the statement is to thyself be true. And I think there's a danger because, you know, we don't know our hearts, etc., etc. And so we may not want to be true to ourselves. But the context, and let me try to clarify uh, for, for my own safety's sake, the context of which I mean that is, is in, an, in an effort to be who, to the best of your ability, God has made you to be. And to be what God has made you to be. And I, I said it last week, I think more so Sunday evening, uh, the last several years especially, I, I feel like I have found myself um, in more of a conflict um, with myself uh, that in my younger years, and of course I am still young, at least relatively young, in my younger years I, I think I was a little bolder uh, in some areas and, and I've allowed a variety of things, I think, to to influence me and um, and cause me to struggle with being true to who I think, who I believe God made me to made to who to who God made me to be, to what God made me to be. So um, that that's sort of my preface uh, here this evening, um, and again. I, I, I just, I'll give you my, I guess, a title. Um, I, I want to talk to you. Uh, the, the title I want to use tonight is Unintended Consequences. Unintended Consequences. We have a perfect example of that. There's many other real life examples, and some of you probably have your own personal. But we're, we're living that right now as we are continue to be quarantined and people aren't working or people are having to cut back, small businesses are closed, restaurants are closed, stores are closed, the the unintended, and, and here we go, and I'm going to try to make this my last uh, disclaimer. Some of you probably would argue, and you may very well be right, again, I'm not here to, to try to debate you on in, in this area, um, some of you probably think, feel, and again, you may be right, it, it doesn't really matter to me, that uh, the, the effects on the economy from what's going on right now is intentional. Uh, for, the, for the sake of my example, would you just humor me, if that's what you believe, to, to use it as an example that, uh, at least trying to believe the best of people, the impact on the economy is an, it's an unintended consequence of what's going on right now. Um, and, and so there, there's a lot of things 
economics is oftentimes an, an area, but there, there's many other areas where there are unintended consequences. And sometimes those unintended consequences can be positive, beneficial things. But a lot of times, I, and I think, at least from my perspective, uh, more often than not, when we talk about unintended consequences, we, we're referencing more so the negative unintended consequences. And that's, that's kind of the perspective that, I, that I'm coming from here this evening. So uh, weeks ago, weeks ago, um, it's weird, we're probably close to the point, maybe we're already there, where we could start saying months, plural. I think we've got a couple more weeks to go before we've reached uh, the two-month mark of some of the shelter-in-place quarantine guidelines, 10 people or less in the building guidelines. I know we're getting close, but I think, uh, I think we're still a little bit short of that, that two-month mark. Nevertheless, um, it, it wasn't too long after the, especially kind of the 10-person limit was, was put that I, I started getting an ad on my Facebook page um, that kept popping up. If you're not on Facebook or Instagram, uh, there, there's, and it seems to me more and more these days, advertisements that, that pop up either on your feed or in your story. And so uh, I somewhere probably back mid-March at the, at, the, at the latest, maybe even earlier than that, there was a, uh, there was a T-shirt that started popping up on my, my Facebook feed and Instagram, I think more so Facebook. And the funny thing is I haven't seen it in weeks, and uh, I just saw it a little while ago. But the, the advertisement was, um, it was a guy in a t-shirt and uh, the print on the front of his t-shirt says, the church has left the building. And uh, again, I'm just sharing my heart. I'm just sharing my, my, uh, my heart. Uh, that, that, that shirt has really kind of bothered me some. I've heard... I've heard, in fact, just the other day I was watching a, a few minutes of a post from another church, another church that's a part of our fellowship, the United Pentecostal Church, a man that I respect highly, a man actually that I've had a chance to be around a good amount and I have a very fond opinion of. Um, don't know that I could say we're the closest of friends, but I, I would consider him a friend, and I'm pretty sure he would consider the same of me, and, and he made the statement. And uh, I, I guess, can I, I, I I'm going to, I want to just bring a little bit of perspective, because I, I don't know what the new normal is going to be. I, I am not here to propose that. I have preached for years, and especially a couple of times the last several months, I think, um, Jesus told us, don't take any thought for tomorrow. And I've watched uh, firsthand, especially the last couple of months, last couple of months before all of this started, I watched as there were several different things 
um, such as the, the discipleship process and grow and a couple of other things that the, the months leading up to that, we, we were working on individual areas, uh, not, not, not really realizing the degree to which they all eventually came together and connected. And, and I feel like for me, that was really kind of a, a testimony of, um, of the fact that if we will do our best to follow God's will and direction and plan every day, then God knows what tomorrow is going to hold. God knows where we need to be, what we need to be prepared for in the future. And, and I know God can give us uh, insight. God can, uh, we've got prophets and we, we see scriptural examples of prophets. And, and I know God can, can reveal things about that. But I, I really think from a script, scriptural perspective, we, we are not supposed to try to sit around every day and figure out tomorrow. We, we, the steps, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And, and I believe more than ever that if I can try to find the step, what is the next step that God wants me to take? That, that by the time I get to a certain place, whether it's days, weeks, months, or years down the road, God is going to have orchestrated my steps to get me at the right place at the right time. So I'm not talking about being naive or denying um, the future, what may come. But, but at the same time, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, from, a, from a positive and a negative perspective, we have faced things that we, we never thought we would face, we, we never thought we would experience. But again, nothing has caught God uh, by surprise. And so uh, I, I guess, and I want to give a little bit of context of why it is that um, I've struggled a bit with this statement, the church has left the building, because we may have left the building, but we are isolated more than ever. We are, many of us, spending the great majority of our time in our homes we we are we are in a lot of ways interacting a lot less with the lost than we do when the church was able to be in the building so i'm i'm a little bit perplexed um i'm a little bit perplexed why there's this continual celebration of this this idea that the, the church has left. Well, Brother Wright, we're doing more by technology than, than we've ever done. Yeah, we are, but that's another thing I want to just touch on a little bit here this evening before we're done. I may need more than one water bottle to get me through this evening, but we'll, we'll see. I, I know. I, I, I've, I've heard it, especially going back to the 80s, I was... I was in my teens, I think, when, when uh, God first gave Bishop the revelation of, of, of small groups, care groups, that we've been a part of this church for a long time now. I, I've studied, I've, I've, I've gotten my own perspective and revelations. I don't, I don't mean uh, my own to be contrary. I mean, I've gotten 
my own personal God is, I'm not just, I don't just do what I do because what somebody else has told me is supposed to be done. I, I've seen it. And, and, and one of the things that, um, you know, we, we, we hear a lot about the fact that, that, um, that there was, uh, the, the, the early church was, was house to house. It, it kind of puzzles me that we 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 emphasize the house to house part and kind of ignore the temple part. And I guess maybe that's because. And I know the church is not the temple. I I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to qualify everything that I say here this evening. Um, I I because I, I, again, I'm just I'm just trying to share my heart uh, with you. So I, I guess maybe the reason we don't talk about that as much because I know that. The church building. I know that's not the temple. I know they're not synonymous, but but I think in principle, this is this is what I've heard, and but it's also my own personal relate revelation um, that 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 what that represents is two components of of what took place of what the early church did, and the temple may not have been synonymous with what we look at as a, a church building in the church, but there were there were two types. And of course, there's really one other thing in that verse that is kind of interesting to me that never really gets. We we talk about the locations and and sort of the dynamics, but the there's a word that I don't ever really hear anybody talk about when we focus on that verse, and and that's the word daily. We we talk about where and we talk about why but i i don't usually hear anybody really talking about the fact that they did that daily well that was a different time that was a different culture no argument no argument from you no argument from me at all uh, in, in fact i want to I, I was thinking about this the other day um I'm gonna. I want to. I'm gonna give you a couple of uh, billion-dollar companies, and you will recognize probably all of these. Uh, I would imagine. I would be very surprised if you don't recognize any of these. These billion-dollar companies: Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple, Yankee Candles, Disney, Harley Davidson. There's something that uh, all one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's something that all seven of those uh, companies had in common, and uh, maybe some of you know what it is. I'll give you a moment to think about it. The thing that all seven of those companies had in common was they all seven, all seven of them. All seven of them are now billion-dollar companies. There's actually a list that was longer than this. I just kind of called a few of them out. But all seven of these billion-dollar companies, all seven, started in a garage. All seven of them started in a garage. We now know that as billion-dollar companies, they don't... (laughs) operate out of a garage anymore. They don't do all of their business from the garage that they started in. Before you mishear what I'm saying, 
the thing that is our challenge is it's the principles, it's the attitude, it's the spirit. Jesus in Matthew 21 and 12, familiar passage for many of you, I'm sure. He goes into the, Jesus goes into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. The loving, wonderful Jesus went in and turned everything upside down. But, but I, I want you to notice what he was dealing with, what he was addressing, was what was going on. It was what they were doing. It was the misuse. And, and uh, going back to my, I, don't, I, I almost was going to build a fire and, and call this a fireside chat. Number one, that seemed a little bit corny since that's not original and kind of an overused thing. Number two, my personality is such I would constantly be seeing if the fire was still going or not, and that, that would have been a distraction. So uh, I, I, I sort of hesitate to use a title because that's normally, you know, what we do in the context of preaching or teaching. But so, so I, the, the title of this chat this evening, <laughs> the, the Unintended Consequences. I, I am burdened, and again, I am trying to speak from the perspective of a pastor and what I've been told all my ministry that I have a pastor's heart. I, I'm a bit burdened that if we're not careful, we may come through some of this with some unintended consequences. If, if you go to the doctor, one of the things that's so awesome about Jesus is if you got cancer, Jesus is your answer. If you got sugar diabetes, Jesus is your answer. If if uh, you have heart condition, Jesus is your answer. If you have joint problems, Jesus is your answer. Uh, for all of those things I just mentioned, when you go to the doctor, there's not a there's not a set single prescription that takes care of all of those. You 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 got to diagnose the problem, and then you got to diagnose the proper prescription for that problem. And and if we're not careful, and, I, and I'm going to, hopefully by the help of the Lord and sharing my heart, I, I'm going to get to this in a little bit and, and maybe hopefully bring a little bit perspective. But but I think if we're not careful, we, we, can, we, can, um, we can diagnose some things and we may very well diagnose them correctly. But if we're not careful, we, we may go about. I mean, uh, I'll just give you an example. And I'm, uh, again, the shirt's been on my feed for, for weeks now. But, you know, okay, so uh, when all this is over and we are allowed to, um, to return, hopefully, to having our, our church services, our worship gatherings, um, <laughs> If, if we've spent so much time celebrating the church has left the building, um, how are we going to then flip-flop trying to tell everybody, well, you need to come back? Uh, and, and I think the scriptural basis is there for it. I, I think the principles are there. 
but if 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 we're not careful again jesus Jesus issue wasn't uh the context of where they were and why they were there. His issue is what they were doing and and i i I am burdened if we're not careful we we may get so caught up in trying to make the point of you know in this context the this selling and business and whatever that was taking place is is not supposed to be there but we we may take it to a context that that is beyond that there there's a term um most of you adults would be familiar with and if you've been married very long you're probably familiar with it that that term and it's may have a literal application but we use it figuratively more often than not and and that term is a second honeymoon. And uh, if you've been married for very long, I think you may end up needing a third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh honeymoon. Be- because, and, and uh, we, we are, we are uh, less than a month away now from celebrating 28 years of marriage. We did a young marriage call last night and we we uh, were talking about a variety of things um, on that call and and uh, in a little bit of maybe a different context, but in principle, uh, th- this in fact I talked I think last night I, I referenced a second honeymoon. Uh, I I know and I'm pretty certain that my wife and I are not flawed and that our relationship is not defective. Um, and so I, I know there have been times in which she and I needed a second, third, fourth, fifth honeymoon, that our, our relationship, our, our marriage had gotten stagnant. Our, our love for each other was, was not at the level, or, or maybe the love hadn't diminished, but, but the expression of it, the demonstration of it, the, the, the things that are the fruit of, of our love, they... They had, they had slacked off. I, I can remember, and I, I hesitate bringing this up because I, I don't want to get myself in trouble with my wife. Um, so hopefully I can make the point in the, in the, in the best way uh, to, to, to um, make the point I need to make. But I, I can remember uh, after, the, after the birth of each one of our kids, um, and I'm sure it was a combination of things, part of it, the joy uh, of the fact that she had been a part of the process of, of me having another child, another offspring, uh, and then also um, watching and, and uh, Elizabeth's birth, especially, uh, which was the first one, uh, was, was a very challenging labor, um, very uh, traumatic and not traumatic in comparison to some of your stories, but in comparison to our other three births, it was it was very traumatic. Uh, it was a very long night, um, very strenuous, and uh, she was uh, Elizabeth was born in a birthing center, and it was actually almost to the point of possibly needing to transport my wife to the hospital because of some of the the complications. And and so uh, the thankfully the next three were were not quite that. Uh, um, difficult, but labor is labor, and um, my wife did all four um, without any kind of 
uh, anesthesia, any kind of pain relief, and and watching that, watching the uh, the struggle that she went through. I actually, uh, I don't know if I've ever acknowledged this um, before. Uh, after I think after Elizabeth's birth, I, I actually kind of battled fear uh, with the next three. I guess having seen firsthand uh, what goes on and such a wonderful experience is also such a, can be a dangerous experience. So I, I think the combination of all of, 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 of those things and probably even some other factors that when it was all done, uh, my, my feelings of love and admiration and affection for my wife were just, I mean, they were, they were higher than Mount Everest and, and I, I'm, I'm sad to say, uh, but as as we kind of moved away from the event, I, I find some of that dwindling. Not my overall love and commitment, but some of the feelings, some of the emotions. That's why, and I'm going to come back to this in a different context in a little bit, but I, I got a feeling... Um, I'm going to make a bit of an assumption, but I got a feeling we, we referenced it. I think I referenced it Sunday morning. I got a feeling that most of you are probably not um, doing Sunday mornings the same way you did the first couple of weeks. I, I think a lot of folks the first couple of weeks got up, got dressed, got ready, and, and watched the live stream. And um, as the excitement and the newness has worn off, there's pajamas, there's breakfast, and yes, I won't call any names, but I did come home Sunday to find out there were people in my household who had been drinking coffee while we were having church. So anyway, um, as the newness wears off, uh, the the feelings, the emotions, the excitement dwindles. Uh, But but thankfully, thankfully, I, I have recognized and those of you that have, are married and especially have been married for a significant period of time, you recognize that if your relationship and your spouse's relationship is not what it needs to be, it's not where it needs to be, the idea of marriage is not your problem. The institution of marriage is not your issue, which is why... <laughs> Uh, it's not an uncommon thing that people in a marriage that's struggling fall into the trap that, well, if, you know, it, it's, it's the spouse, and if I get a new spouse and uh, uh, get married again, that'll be, and that's why it's not, I guess, not necessarily a common thing per se, but it's not an uncommon thing that some folks have been married three, four, even more times. Um, you'd think if you were married three times or so um, and had been through divorce three times, you'd start to realize there may be a common thread um, and it may not be the other person, uh, another subject for another time. But again, my point is it's not marriage that's the problem. And so thankfully for 28 years, I realized when our relationship is not where it needs to be, when, when life is getting in the way, when we are not communicating the way we should, when we're not 
giving the affection and attention and, and love that we should. I don't need to get rid of marriage. I need to renew the relationship. And and again, that's a that's a part of my burden. And really, in all honesty, back before COVID nineteen, uh, that that if we're not careful, we we can we can we can identify maybe properly identify an issue or a problem but if we're not careful we we may misdiagnose the uh the solution i i saw someone uh posted a, a picture of a billboard a couple of weeks ago on on facebook and the the billboard said this The best part of online church is not having to admit to your atheist friends that you actually believe in something. I, uh, and, and, and I'm going to come back around to, to technology here in a little bit. But I, I've heard it a time or two. And uh, if, if we somehow think that God has brought about technology so that we can hide in our homes and others not know and not have to face the world. If that really is true, then I have to tell you, God is really, really an unjust God. Just look at the early, you don't even have to forget other times throughout religious church history. Just go back to the book of Acts and some of the things that took place there. God was very unjust to them if somehow he's trying to provide to us a convenient way to reach the lost because they're unwilling to um, to, to be seen in some kind of setting. And I don't mean just a church or a church building here. That's That's not my point at all. But but it's it's disturbing to me the the idea that we may think that um, that this is a way because again if we're looking at the problem I, I read a book years ago called the connecting church and uh, I've I've actually used this quote several different times through the years after reading this book but it says this the first Christians understood that a decision to follow Christ also included a decision to make the church the hub of their world, even when it required the abandonment of existing social structures. They understood that salvation and becoming a part of the kingdom of God required a radical total change, that their priorities was now the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. Well, well hold on, Brother Wright. We're here to reach the world. Absolutely. And, and who, was, who, who better to be an example than Jesus himself? I mean, he went to, to, to the house of sinners. He interacted with sinners. He interacted with people that that the religious folks of that day looked down on, and therefore they looked down on Jesus because of his interaction 
with him. In fact, one one of those settings, and and it was the setting where I believe Mary had come to wash his feet. They they were they were sitting around, and, and their response was, "If he really was who he says he is, if if he really is the Son of God or the Messiah, then he would know who this woman is." that's washing his feet, and he would not let her do that. And yet he did. It, it, it was Zacchaeus, the, the tax collector up in the tree, that Jesus passes by and, and says, come down, I'm going to your house today. So I, I, I am not all, don't, don't twist my point and my words here to say that we're not called and responsible for reaching the world. The point is when we when we try, when we try, and, and this has happened for years now in Christianity, and I personally believe it has crept its way more and more into the apostolic church. When we try to find a way to make it as convenient as possible for people to get saved, I, I don't see the biblical basis for that. I talked about it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. I I taught last year for several weeks on Thursday nights about Pharisees and us being Pharisees, that we should not be Pharisees. I I believe in all of that, absolutely. I I talked about it, I think, this this past Sunday night, just a couple of days ago. Jesus Jesus met Nicodemus at, at the level he was at. Each the, the initial meeting that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't want to be seen with Jesus in public. He he didn't want the world to recognize his 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 uh, faith and and uh, interest. And and Jesus met him where he was. But but as it progressed, uh, he 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 reached the place where. Uh, again, I'm sorry for using this this term, and and because it has a pretty much a basic context today, but but he reached the place where he had to come out of the closet. He he couldn't meet Jesus at night anymore and be a true follower of Jesus. He he couldn't just as he did in in one of their religious gatherings. He couldn't just simply make this uh, sort of uh, veiled question that to me there was there was more to it he was he was sort of in in a little bit of a way letting the cat out of the bag that he really was starting to get interested in Jesus but but there came a point and and again as i said sunday night i think it's pretty amazing the point at which uh, nicodemus reveals his faith and des- and desire to follow jesus wasn't uh, right after Jesus had performed some great miracle. It, it wasn't after he had just fed 5,000. It wasn't just after he had raised someone from the dead. The point at which Nicodemus basically made his public um, uh, statement, and I mean that figuratively because it wasn't his words, it was his actions, but the point at which he did that, it, it was at Jesus' death. It was at the moment that looked like complete defeat. It was, I mean, that would be the time for Nicodemus to say, you know what, I, I was starting to believe, I was starting to have some faith, but I, I think I missed this one. He, he's really not who, and yet, and, and, and the context of how Nicodemus revealed it is, 
he jumped in the middle of helping to take care of the body of Jesus. And, and so he was, he was able to be seen. And so th- this idea, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not proposing that we use doctrine as a weapon to beat people over the head with. I, I'm not proposing that we walk around yelling and screaming, at, you know, Acts 2.38 to everybody and getting on, on tables in public places and you're going, I, I'm not proposing that at all. But at the same time, I think it's a very slippery slope when we start looking at some of these things as a possible way to make it more convenient or make it easier. If any man will follow me, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Let me go back to this quote. I'm going to start over, try to go through it the whole way this time. The first Christians understood that a decision to follow Christ also included a decision to make the church the hub of their world, even when it required the abandonment of existing social structures. I, I, I can't do it, so I'll have to start over again. I, I've, watched, I've watched the last couple of weeks, and, and, and when, when, when God, you, when your relationship with God when your attachment to an involvement in the church is is really what it's supposed to be, you can't you sort of can't help but reach out. I, I've watched it. I, I've 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 it's happened in my own home numerous times now, where where uh, Bible studies are being taught uh, over over uh, social media or Zoom or, or whatever. You, you, that that's that's because of being a part of truly being a part of the church is also understanding there is we we're we're not a uh, we're not a secluded uh, exclusive um, maxed out our membership group I mean there's things in this world there's there's uh, organizations there's there's clubs that. That you have to get on a waiting list. There's there's golf courses that you have to get on a waiting list for because they only maintain a certain level of membership. There there is no cap. Jesus says the scripture says to whomsoever will, <laughs> whoever will, and and there will never be a time that there's no more room for people in the church. Never. Again, not talking about a church building because yeah, you can fill a church building. But I've said it numerous times now. Many of you have heard me say it. If if we if the if as soon as all of the restrictions of COVID nineteen are lifted, and and the first service we're able for anybody that wants to come to come, if there is only standing room only in the sanctuary, and from that service on there's only standing room only, we have not achieved our goal. We have not reached. Our goal, <laughs> because uh, there's over 500,000 people in Anne Arundel County now. But if 499,999 people were saved, I'm not saying went to Antioch. I mean were saved according to the Word of God. If if all but one person in the county was saved, we are not finished. <laughs> 
Jesus left 99 out of 100. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but if you've got 100 sheep and only you could look at that and say only one is missing. I got 99. I should have 100, but you know, what's one? I mean, that, that's that's one percent, right? <laughs> that one out of you're missing one out of a hundred. But he he leaves the ninety nine to go find the one. So again, it, it, I'm not talking here about filling up, uh, a reaching a goal. You know, well, if we can reach this level, because in the kingdom there is no max on membership. There, there's no maximum on who can be who can enter the kingdom. It's everyone. And and so that's why it's not a conflict that when we are born again, the church, I didn't say church in the sense of the activities or whatever of I'm talking about the church, the spiritual church. It's not a conflict that that becomes the, the, that what your life revolves around, and yet we are still soul conscious. I'm going to try again. I'm not going to say it's the last time I'm going to try. I'm just going to try again. The first Christians understood that a decision to follow Christ also included a decision to make the church the hub of their world, even when it required the abandonment of existing social structures. Yale University professor Wayne Meeks makes this point based on his meticulous research of the early church. To be baptized into Jesus Christ, and we know that's, that's how you get in the church. You don't shake a preacher's hand. It, it's not a few magical words. We are baptized into Christ. To be baptized into Jesus Christ signaled to Pauline converts an extraordinary, thoroughgoing re-socialization in which the sect was intended to become virtually the primary group for its members, supplanting all other loyalties. Is, is it not and I mean this from the perspective of what you can see very easily on social media, on YouTube, so through some kind of media. Is it not a, a big part of, of, of Christianity today that you can be saved, be going to heaven, but not, not have a thoroughgoing re-socialization? You, you can... You can be going to heaven and still blend in with the world. You can, you can be going to heaven and still be like everybody else. You can, you can be going to heaven and people not be able to see and recognize and hear that, that, that you're different. There's something different about you. We need to go back to the, the Old Testament. I, I know there, there's a lot of folks, you know, we, we, we're in the New Testament. We don't, but, but there were some really important principles that were established in the Old Testament. There were some really important principles 
that God established with the children of Israel, which was symbolic of the church. In fact, they're, they're referred to as the congregation of Israel, a term that we now use uh, regularly at Antioch. When, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and, and really even before that, one of the common themes that we find is, is that he was trying to get across to them, you're not supposed to be like the nations around you. You're not supposed to take on their culture. You're not supposed to take on their ways of doing things. You're not supposed to take on their dress. You're, you're not supposed to talk the way they talk or, 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 or live the way. You're supposed to be different. That, that was a principle that was clearly established from the very beginning of God starting to call. And, and yeah, in the Old Testament, it was, it was a natural people. And, but, but we know, and, and Paul especially tells us, we, we don't have to try to just make this assumption. Paul tells us that these things were for an example to us. So again, he, 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 Professor Meeks, from his meticulous study, recognized that, that Pauline converts, and in this context, Paul was, was preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So not Pauline converts, but converts, disciples, understood that there was a complete re-socialization. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've already, hopefully I've made it enough that I don't need to make it again, but I'm just going to say it one more time. I, I, we, we are, Jesus prayed it. In fact, it was towards the end of his ministry. It was, it was a part of his prayer for unity, for oneness amongst us. And, and he, said, he said, I pray that, not that you would take them out of the world, not praying that you would take them out of the world. Again, it's we, we've had some tragedies throughout our history as a country, but uh, and, and others of them are, are operating without this point without some kind of tragedy. But but we've had um, we've had uh, sex s e c t s or cults. We've labeled some of them religious groups that that have have secluded themselves. They've they they bought property somewhere in the in the middle of nowhere and 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 they're 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 cloistered they're they're there and and they're secure from the rest of the world that that is not what i'm talking about that's not because if if we do that we cease to be who we are and what god has called us to be i i referenced it a week or two ago we we've, we've got the we've got the Amish market in Annapolis and can't wait for another pretzel dog. Although um, a week or two ago, Elizabeth made homemade pretzels that um, rivaled the the Amish market. So maybe she could get a job there if she ever needs a job in the future because they were very good. But uh, you know what? It's it's interesting that. We, we realize that they are essentially a group of religious people. But I, I've never really thought about this in this context. But you know what's interesting is uh, you go there and they have no evangelistic efforts going on. 
there's uh, there, there's you know I've I've seen uh, I, I see this almost at every uh, uh, UPCI gathering of 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 uh, for either general conference or or like youth congress, um, and I've seen it at other times, but for some reason that stands out. Um, you, you'll see Jehovah's Witnesses on the street. They got which we ought to consider getting some of them. They're really cool. They're these very nicely done uh, literature carts that they have, and they're there evangelizing. There's no evangelistic efforts being made by the Amish that I know of. I mean, you know you're going to an Amish market. Why, why aren't there some Amish folks milling amongst the crowd saying, hey, we, we want to tell you about Jesus they, they don't do that, and it's my understanding, and please forgive me if I am misunderstanding, and if you know otherwise, I would love to know so that I am not giving misinformation. But my understanding is they're not evangelistically minded. They're not out. They're not trying to convert. That's not, that's not the purpose of the body of Christ. We're not supposed to be secluded, cloistered away, in our own little groups, avoiding the world. I really hope that much of an explanation is not needed for what I'm saying, but I want to be clear. I'm not, we, we, in fact, the, the, the bottom line is the stronger the church is, the more active we should be. Because the stronger the church is and the more the church is being who it's supposed to be, you then can't help but have a burden and a passion and a desire to see the church added to, not for number's sake, not for bragging rights, but for the sake of the salvation of souls. So I, I uh, guess a little bit of a transitioning here again, I'm, I'm not going to try to just go on all night, but I'm 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 going to say what I have on my heart. So I'm not quite done. This is this is going to be uh, I think this is going to be a little bit of an odd verse to read right now, in light of the times and the circumstances. But it's one of those things that I am. I'm burdened for that we don't have some unintended consequences. That's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. You may not know this verse by heart and know it by the reference, but in just a second, many of you will recognize the verse. The scripture says again, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more. The the Living Bible says that verse this way. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. 
I'm trying not to do it, but I can't really help myself. I want to make it clear. I know, I understand that this verse is not talking specifically about our gathering together for a church service, a church gathering, whatever whatever you want to call it. I know that. I know that it's not solely talking about that, but from my study, and I've studied this verse many times, that is a part of it. That's not the sole context. That's not the only context. And that's one reason why I like the living Bible in this verse. Church meetings, plural, because... To me, the context of that is not meetings as in three services a week meetings. It's not referring to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. It's, it's, it's our public, large, whatever that may be, gatherings. It's our small gatherings. It's a prayer meeting. It's a, it's a go conference. It's a youth camp. It's a youth congress. It's... It's a minister's retreat for those of you that are licensed ministers. And it's a marriage seminar. It's, it's, those are gatherings, and, and some of them have very specific purposes to them, but those are the meetings of the church. Those are some of the meetings. And so again, I'm not here to apply this verse that church meetings, plural, means Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, or Wednesday night, if you're watching in a part of another church that has a Wednesday. That, that's not my point. But but I want you to notice what what is saying, and many believe Paul is the writer of Hebrews, so if that's the case, I want you to notice what he's saying. Not forsaking. That word forsaking in the in the Hebrew means to abandon or to desert. It means to leave behind to abandon, to do not forsake. That the, the implication of the meaning of that word is a conscious, purposeful choice. It is a choosing to neglect. It is a choosing to leave behind. Anybody ever left something somewhere that was not intended? I, I, uh, I had a... It probably wasn't as bad as it felt at the time, but I... I had a bit of a scary experience on my trip to Pakistan with my dad. I did something I've never done um, before and never done since. I, I, I put my passport in the safe in the hotel room, and uh, I locked it in the safe. And um, we were, I won't take the time for all the details, but we were, we were kind of doing a back and forth in the country and uh, so we were leaving that hotel where I put my passport in the safe. And uh, we were about to go uh, to the airport to fly to another city in Pakistan for the weekend. And then we were returning. And so we packed up. We got in the car. We were in the taxi. We were in the taxi with the missionaries. And uh, we, were, we were thankfully a couple, just a couple of blocks away from the hotel. And suddenly... It dawned on me I had forgotten my passport in that safe. I did not purposefully leave it there. That was not a conscious choice. And uh, we turned around and went back, and um, we we went to the front desk and told them what had happened. And 
I, I'm sure my mind was coming up with things that probably may not even really be a big concern, but in the moment they were. And and uh, the thing, the biggest thing that was racing through my mind was they, they sent somebody up to the room. I didn't go with them. And all I could think was they're going to go up to that room. They're going to open the safe. My passport's going to be in there. But they're going to come back and tell us, oh, I'm sorry, sir, we couldn't find your passport. And how am I going to prove otherwise? And then what does that mean? And I'm thankful to have visited there, but I didn't want to stay there. And uh, it, it was probably about five minutes total for them to go upstairs, look in the safe, get my passport and come back. And thankfully they brought it back. But that was that was uh, that five minutes was felt like about. Uh, March in that moment, um, I, that that wasn't a purposeful decision. So what 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 the scripture is talking about? It's not talking about a, an accident or a mistake. It's a an an, an abandoning to a, when you abandon. We've seen abandoned houses. We've seen abandoned cars, abandoned buildings. When you see that, it's because someone made a decision to neglect it, to leave it behind, and and so. The scripture says, don't, don't forsake, don't abandon the assembling of ourselves together. The word assembling there means a gathering of people, and I want you to get this, in one place. A gathering of people in one place. It means the religious assembly of Christians. The root word the root word of assembling in strongs means to collect well, excuse me to collect upon the same place to collect upon the same place it's the same word that word assembling if you go to second thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1 it says we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him. So the the gathering together in Second Thessalonians two and one, the gathering together that Paul is talking about, that Greek word is the same Greek word as assembly. Now, we know that the gathering at the coming of our Lord is not going to be a virtual gathering. <laughs> it's not going to be a virtual gathering. I remind you that root word is to collect upon the same place. Notice, and, and I'm not done, so don't jump to conclusions here. Please hear me out. But notice, and I know this was 2,000 years ago, whatever, but I, I want you to notice it doesn't say not forsaking the logging on of ourselves together. <laughs> now, I, I am thankful. I'm thankful in this moment for technology. I uh, The last six weeks or so now. Uh, I, I, had, I had used Zoom and video calls several times um, 
over the last couple of years. I've used Skype in the past. I guess Skype is still around. Um, I've, I've used those, and I have been extremely thankful the last uh, six weeks or so for Zoom. I've, I've already referenced it. We do, with the exception of Easter weekend, every Saturday morning, we've been doing a Zoom call with all of our deacons, touching base, sharing, and um, whatever. But I, I'm just going to tell you, that is not the same. We usually do a monthly breakfast with our deacons at the church under normal times. That Zoom call is nowhere near the same thing as when we come together. I was told someone, I think earlier in all of this, it's kind of amazing. I think it's awesome. If really not that long ago, um, we've been streaming services I think at least since we moved into the remodeled sanctuary, maybe even a little bit before that, but I know around that time. And so, you know, we've been streaming church services for 10 years or so, let's just say. Uh, and then obviously a lot of this other technology is, is more recent. I think it's interesting. I have thought it's not only interesting, but very thankful if what we're dealing with right now would have happened 15, 20 years ago or five or six years ago with some of the other technology we're using, we, we, we'd be in a way bigger challenge than we're in right now. I, I am extremely thankful for I'm using it. I'm using it tonight. We will continue using it. We, are, we were already expanding our usage before COVID-19, Antioch U, and the discipleship process. But I'm just going to tell you, there is no way to me that God intends that the lesson we learn from this is for technology to replace our collecting upon the same place. And I'm not just talking about 1535 Ritchie Highway. I'm talking about your homes. I'm talking about campus ministry, P7, etc., etc., etc. I I am not trying to be harsh, critical. I have a feeling, and I I wasn't trying to throw my family under the bus earlier. I was trying to help you um, know that this household is no better than any other household. I am I am pretty certain that if I was on your end of all of this and I was not the one preaching and not the one responsible for leading, I'm pretty sure I probably would be in my sweatpants and sweatshirt by now. Uh, probably would be sipping on my coffee still. So understand that while I may challenge that, I also am pretty sure I probably would be in the same situation but I, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you tonight again, first and foremost, those of you that call me your pastor. When, when, when we are able to get back together, and again, I mean that in all contexts, 
I'm, I'm begging you tonight, don't let an unintended consequence. I, I know, although I've, from what I've heard through the grapevine, I'm not sure. I, I would imagine that those of you that have small children, it's a little bit of a, um, of a mixed blessing. Um, there's the blessing of, and, and uh, I would say I remember the days, but because of already being involved in a pastoral role, I can't say uh, I was always there helping get everybody to church. There was a lot of services that my wife was responsible for all four kids or three kids or and all four when Nathaniel was an infant, so the others were all still pretty young. I'm sure there's part of the convenience of not having to get everybody dressed, get out the door, try to get to church sort of on time or close to it. Um, Sunday mornings, if you can, they can go to Sunday school, you get a little bit of a breather. Sunday night, they're all with you. And, and so there's some parts of that, but I also, I've heard some of you still have to take snack breaks. You still have to go to, uh, you know, the, to the bathroom. Maybe some of you have set up your own private calming room in your house now maybe that calming room's for you as the parent not for the kid but that's another um, another story um, but I, I, I'm, I'm just burdening we're not done with this that, that's why again this verse tonight when we've got a couple of months to go uh, I mean we don't even I can't even encourage you right now to do small groups together because understandably many of us are not even comfortable with that of all the verses to be talking to you about tonight this really seems like the wrong verse but I, I just in the midst of all of what's going on I just felt so burdened to remind you of some things to challenge you with some things let's not let our thinking our our our, um, our behaviors get so adjusted that when we do, and I know many of us, uh, we were on the young marriage call last night and Sister Yolanda was talking about she can't wait we get have church again. And, and uh, the, the, it was on a sort of a small group call. I don't want to throw her under the bus, but she did say she was going to like run the whole service when we get back. So we'll see um, if, if that happens or not. But I, 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 I get all that. I, I uh, there's excitement, but also I just think if we're not careful, there may be some things that are unintended consequences that have settled into our spirits. That we, we, we're not, <laughs> I said it, we will continue. We, we as a congregation are going to continue using technology in different and new ways as we've used them. But it's not the focus you cannot replace human connection, physical human interaction with technology. It's not the same. Listen to what the, the biblical illustrator says in regards to this verse, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. He says this, For one thing, whether they were Jews or Gentiles, there was the scorn of the world and often its wild and bloody violence. To be a Christian made a man the mark of, I had this word down earlier, I may mess it up here. It made them the mark for obloquy, which is strong public criticism and persecution. 
So the attending at Christian assemblies was the most palpable avowal of having embraced Christianity. It was throwing down the gauntlet to the unchristian world. They're gathering together, and in both contexts of Acts 2, the temple or house to house, their physical gathering together. And when people knew the purpose of their gathering together, it was throwing down the gauntlet to the unchristian world. I, I said this already, and I'm going to say it again. If somehow God has brought about what we're doing right now in technology to make this easier on sinners to get saved, and, and I'm not talking about making it easier for us to get the Word out to more people. I, I'm not talking about that. Yeah, are we able to, 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 to speak to people by technology? I mean, there's, there's people that may be, at times there's people that watch from around the world that obviously we can't go to their homes. We, I, I get that. that. That's not my point. But if for those of us that are a part of this local geographical body, if for a local context, let me say it that way, if for a local context God has brought any of this about to make it more convenient for a person to get saved, to be saved, he, he I feel kind of, this is at least for me one of those statements It's a little bit beyond what I'm kind of comfortable making most of the time, but he owes a lot of people in graves an apology. Because there's people who gave lives, gave, gave up their lives because of their association and their identity. No offense, some of them that we would, based on what we believe, we would question if they were even saved. <laughs> and they're in the grave because of their not only their faith, but their willingness for it to be known. I mean, we've seen it in the news the last couple of years. At this point, thankfully, and that's a very selfish statement, but thankfully from around the world where people have been beheaded for Christianity in the last couple of years. And God's going to somehow bring this about so that people can, in the privacy of their homes where nobody knows, they can get the gospel out? Absolutely. Help get the message to people that may not get it any other way? Absolutely. But as an easier way for to make it easier for people, I, I, I don't see that in Scripture. And again, if that really is the case, there's a lot of people that God has been unjust to. I, I don't want to get caught up in sort of a secular mindset with all of this, but I, I want to share this, and I'm... I'm I can see the airport. <laughs> um, not sure if we're starting our final descent, but I do see the airport. You, you actually doesn't. You, you don't even. I mean, you can come up with a very broad way of saying this to get online, to get on Google, and 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 search and research the concern. And at this point, it's still in a lot of ways a concern because all of it is still relatively new the impact that the negative impact 
that technology is having on us. And so I, I found this. This is from, it's called uh, infobrainspire.com. The title of the article, I guess, is what it is. The title is, What are the Effects of Technology on Human Interaction? And I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs of this. Technology has both eliminated a gap and created one. And apparently this is a term, I guess, that may not be a common one to us, but it's a term now. Virtual distance. Virtual distance is the phenomenon where people are physically together, but detached from each other due to being completely absorbed with their technological device such as a laptop or smartphone or tablet. This translates to couples, parents, and children, and all types of other human interactions being relegated to the background while people are busy connecting with others in digital space via their technological device. And I've taught before, I've challenged before on technology and us being together and 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 that's all probably something that needs to be revisited periodically but that's that's not really the context of what I'm here for this evening the next part of this article this the the heading of this next paragraph is the end of intimacy it is not uncommon for people to prefer texting instead of actually meeting or at the very least, calling and thus hearing another human voice. I, I, I've had, I, I'd like to put it on my, that it's just my kids, but I think I've had my wife even say to me a time, I'll text somebody, they haven't responded, and she said, say, well, did you call them? What do you mean, did I call them? Why would we call somebody now we text? It is, it is not uncommon for people to prefer texting instead of actually meeting or at the very least calling and thus hearing another human voice. It is also not uncommon for people to walk around or even sit with others, head bowed to their digital device without saying a word or even noticing anything about anyone else. Human interactions and relationships have thus largely decreased. While intimacy and human-to-human interactions have been replaced with human-to-machine interactions. Technology has helped to modify human behavior by creating a gap between people and reducing intimacy. In an age where robots and AI, artificial intelligence, are slowly replacing humans within the workplace, this interaction between humans and machines is only set to increase. Last paragraph, though technology has helped to bridge global gaps, devices and social media or messaging apps, for instance, have largely helped to create a larger disconnection between people. Increased isolation, reduced social interaction and social skills, and increased human-to-machine interactions are all a result of an overuse of technology, which has created a wall between many people globally. 
Instead of physically experiencing the emotions of another, most people who solely utilize technology for in interactions rely on emojis. And instead of meeting physically, many people opt to, to chat via text over the internet. When meetings do occur, social interactions are often reduced and relegated to chats in between being glued to one's mobile device. I'm going to say it again. I believe that technology can be a very beneficial tool for the church. I believe it can be beneficial in both aspects of equipping and evangelizing. But it's not to be our focus of how we do ministry. Oh, it's kind of our focus right now because we have no choice. But it's not intended to be God's way. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard references to places like China. Well, this is how they do, and this is what... This may be a little bit irreverent, but I'll take the risk. We're not in Kansas, Toto. If the day comes that America becomes like China, so be it. We're not in China right now. And and I, I didn't, I had a part I left out. What are some of the reasons why we avoid or find ways to avoid gathering together, whether it's a house to house or a larger than that. But convenience, our own personal convenience is one. Again, I'm quite certain that there's a lot of ways in which these last couple of months have been convenient for you more than rushing from work tonight to get to service on Thursday night on the hill and fight traffic. I, 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 believe me, I, I realize that. But I, I'm going to say it again. I don't find evidence in Scripture where God does things in ways to appeal to convenience. I think we ought to do our best. I don't think we should purposefully make things any harder than necessary. But neither is it our right to try to make things easier than God's Word does. You say, well, we'll only go so far with this. This by no means, from what I can tell, is any kind of a major trend at this point. So please understand that. I'm not trying to over-dramatize this. However, there's actually a couple of pastors. One is considered to be uh, attempting to build a basically just an online church who literally will perform virtual baptisms. You get to pick your avatar or your, um, I think avatar is the word, you, you, can, you can pick what you want to be. In fact, I saw a few minutes of an interview that some guys were having with one of these pastors, and they demonstrated it. And what was interesting, it was, it was a male. One of the interviewers was a male, and the, uh, the uh, avatar that he chose for the baptism was a female because the beauty of that is you can pick whatever you want. Uh, and this may sound a little bit narrow-minded, but I do recall Jesus saying that narrow and straight was the way. So I think, 
I think that's some pattern for this. I'm I'm really not thinking that uh, virtual baptisms count in heaven. My 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 real point of of that is is really the idea of baptism demonstrates to us that God intended human interaction, face to face, physical human interaction. Because number one, you can't baptize yourself; it requires somebody else, and you can't do that by technology. So let's continue using the tools at our disposal, both during COVID-19 and afterwards. Let's continue finding ways. We've got some, uh, especially some of our younger generation, because they've been more in this area of technology. So I don't mean this as a slight to uh, my age and older. We've got some brilliant minds that... I, I actually really don't think we've we've tapped into the ways, some of the ways in which we can use technology. I, I understand I am not on a soapbox here this evening against all of this. <laughs> I, I, I'm thankful for it tonight, the last couple of weeks, and, and we will continue. But I just, I don't want there to be some unintended consequences when all of this is done and we're able to go back to doing whatever and I it may not be the same way who knows besides God but but I don't, I don't want us to come out of this with some unintended consequences that um, were, were not really what was intended if, if there's if there's some things about what we're doing that that aren't right or or uh, the focus has gotten wrong, or uh, the mindset about it is wrong, then, then let's, let's get a second honeymoon. <laughs> let's get some thinking readjusted. Let's get some attitudes readjusted. Let's, let's get our focus readjusted. But as the old saying is, let's, let's don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Let's, let's identify the issues and... Believe me, some of those issues can't be fixed with a conversation. Some of those issues can't be fixed with a plan or an idea. It's going to take a work of the Spirit of God. It's going to take the Spirit of God to bring about a change of heart, a change of mind. But let's pursue that. Let's let God do that. I uh, Hopefully there's some of you still watching gone longer tonight than I think I've normally gone. And uh, I, I want to say one more time, I, uh, again, I didn't give a lot of sort of explanation, but I, I did this tonight rather than my iPad on the stand and standing uh, because it just, I, I, wanted, I wanted you to have not only a physical image different than the norm, but I wanted it to hopefully communicate an attitude and a spirit um, by my demeanor. I, I, I think uh, if I was standing this evening doing what I normally do, I probably would not have stayed as sort of mellow and um, my voice has not really gotten very loud as compared to, and I've gotten pretty loud here in this living room, preaching on Sunday mornings especially. 
Um, and, and so I, I, I wanted to do that, uh, hopefully so that uh, my, my spirit can come across the right way. Uh, I, again, I, I kind of knowing me in some ways, if, if I was doing it sort of the other way, I, I probably would have got a little more <laughs> uh, worked up a few times. I didn't want to do that because I wanted you hopefully to hear what I felt a burden to say and hopefully through technology, uh, hopefully somehow sense my attitude and my spirit. I I am consider it an amazing honor and privilege to be called to do what I am called to do, where I'm called to do it. I've said this many times before, and I'm going to say it again this evening as I quit. If you gave me a blank check right now with the option of going any place, pastoring any church, since I think that's what I'm called to do, if I was given the choice, blank check, pick any church anywhere in the world, you can be the pastor. I am, I am right where I want to be. I am where my choice would be, and I'm thankful for that. That's not always the case. <laughs> There's a lot of times people are called someplace that if they had a choice, it'd be someplace else. I, I say that because, and I, I think most of you know this, I hope you know this, I love you, I love this church, I love this congregation, the specific congregation that I've been called a pastor. I want us to be everything God has called us to be. I want us to accomplish everything that God has called us to accomplish. And I promise you, I want that to be done God's way. I, I know me, I know, seeing, I know some things about me that give me pause for question at times. I've said this before, um, famous statement these last several years, especially at least to me, seems to be, you know, get out of the box. And I've said many times, I, I like my box. I love my box. Some of you, all you want to do is destroy a box. You've already destroyed your own box. And when you see any other boxes, you want to destroy them. And really, though, that's the beauty of this. I, I think, uh, I think uh, some of you oranges have probably done a lot better the last six weeks than some of us golds have um, because some of the adventure and excitement appeals to you. That's why we're a body. That's why God puts us together so that we can balance each other out. And uh, I, I know my tendency is I love to be in my box. And I promise you, uh, it is a frequent prayer of mine that God would help me never to stay inside of a box that's not his box. But I also know the flip side is God created you. God created me. And he created us uniquely. And that's why we need each other, because no one of us have it all. And if we work together, I, I try to... I married uh, an, an orange, and I surround myself with oranges, um, because I know I need that balance. But, but, I will say, you oranges need us golds as well. 
And if we can balance each other, what an amazing possibility of what can happen. So thank you. Um, if you're still on, if you're still there, if hung in with me, thank you. I, I love all of you very much and um, continue to keep you in my prayers as we uh, continue navigating this season that we're in. God bless you.